Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. I'm Sam. Hi, I'm Anna. And today we are finishing up with season five of The Clone Wars. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. What it's a, been a long journey. Time. What a journey. Where are we starting? Well, we're starting with To Catch a Jedi season five, episode 19. Never become desperate enough to trust the untrustworthy. I mean, valid advice for all of us, I would say. My note says, I'll try, yo. <laughs> so Ahsoka is on the run to prove her innocence on her own after pulling a fugitive and jumping into a an enormous hole in the ground. Da, da, da. Yeah. It is raining. It is noir. It is crazy. And at the Jedi Temple, they're having a meeting. Tarkin phones in and says, it's obvious that Ahsoka was the killer. And Plo Koon is like, there's no way. Kiati Mundi asks if she can be stopped. And Yoda says... The council believes she may be guilty as well. But Anakin totally disagrees. He thinks Ahsoka's innocent of all of this, and he's going to prove her innocence. Ta-da! He's going to be great. So Yoda sends Anakin Skywalker and Plo Koon and the clones to go track her down. Mace says, maybe you should stay. And, but Kenobi says, yeah, you should. You have to go. So they go down to the lower levels, and we get this beautiful noir shot of them. Driving in, we also see cop cars landing with the Coruscant Underworld police with their cool face visor stuff. Spoiler alert, they're the worst. <laughs> so they are looking for Ahsoka. There, She's a Jedi on the run. So she calls Barris on her communicator. And Barris says, you need to actually call me using Signal, not WhatsApp. And so they... Uh, don't call me, don't beat me. Yeah. Don't want to reach me. So she does that wonderful thing where one... Carefully placed combat heel crunches her wrist communicator as opposed to, you know, the way an actual cell phone uses. Anyway, she talks to someone, gets uh, trades a ration stick for a coat, and as is running around on a coat, there's a crazy scene where she's running through a subway car. She's moving along super crazy. She's flinging herself out of a moving train. There's an elevator scene. There's a small Twi'lek boy who was like, no, this is the emergency stop button. She heroically saves him. Well, I guess he saves them. She takes the credit. So this whole time, Ahsoka is being stalked by someone. And that someone reveals herself to be none other than renowned freelance bounty hunter, (laughs) wielder of two curved lightsaber hilts, Asajj Ventress. It's Asajj Ventress. The remaining night sister. And Ahsoka's like, oh my gosh, this whole bombing was your idea. And Asajj is like, I have no idea what you're talking about and you're worth a lot of money. So you're coming with me. She's willing to turn her in dead or alive. But Ahsoka manages to convince her and say that Ahsoka needs her help. And she thinks that whoever... Dooku's new apprentices is actually behind this. And so they've both been betrayed by their masters. She gets very coy. She's like, we have more in common than you think. And then she cuts a deal with Asajj. She's like, help me and I will get you a full pardon for your crimes because the Jedi Council will totally listen to me. So right as they're making this deal, Plo Koon and Anakin show up in their hover cars full of clones. And they're like, that's Asajj Ventress <laughs> and Ahsoka conspiring. <laughs> Turns out it doesn't look that great to Mm -hmm. your Jedi Master when you are hanging out with bounty hunter extraordinaire, former Sith Asaz Ventress. Yeah, as Hondo Anaka would say, well, doesn't this look incriminating? (laughs) So they're running around. They're very stealthy. Eventually, Wolf catches up with them. And Ahsoka and Asaj have a moment of, I 
I'm not going to let you take in and I'm not going to hurt you. And Asajj is like, well, I want to hurt you. Asajj ends up just chopping all their lightsabers in half and Ahsoka beats them all to within, you know, next week. And then they just run away, standing on top of a pile of beat up clones. They are a very good team. I do love to see their work together. It is. And they remark on that a lot. So Ahsoka finds a payphone, calls Barris. Barris says, I did some digging on level 1312 is a nanodroid factory. So they're headed that direction. Asajj says, ooh, I actually know where that is. So I will take you there. However, once they get there, our paths will never cross again. Deuces. Bye. Asajj is walking through the alleys. She is spooked by a little cat that sneaks up behind her. And then... Boom, pipe to the face. Someone beats her up, takes her cool bounty hunter helmet, which perfectly covers her face and masks her voice, and her lightsabers. Ahsoka gets to this bomb factory, and as she's searching around, who shows up to fight her but our favorite Asajj Ventress mask-wearing, dual lightsaber, curved tilt-wielding someone who beats Ahsoka up, beats her up in this abandoned factory, flings Ahsoka through the floor, and Ahsoka lands in a pile of nanodroid bombs when the cops, the clones, and Anakin Skywalker burst in and are like, yep, that is, uh, that's that. We've I got cannot to explain rights. how incredibly bad this looks yeah. and how incredibly bad this is. So they stun her and bring her in and... Anakin's like, this doesn't explain why Asajj was there. So I'm confused. And there's more than we know. Mace says, by Ahsoka or against her? And Plo Koon says, that remains to be seen. Da-da-da! Then we move on to Season 5, Episode 20, The Wrong Jedi. Fortune cookie, never give up hope no matter how dark things seem. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. I am already crying. Okay. All right. We open with another Jedi Council meeting in which Admiral Tarkin is the worst. Uh, The Senate wants Ahsoka to be expelled from the Jedi Order so she can be tried by the quote-unquote impartial Republic military tribunal Mm -hmm. system. Instead, Yoda sends Anakin and Ahsoka to the internal Jedi Chamber of Judgment, which Mm -hmm. is no less spoopy. We get a very dramatic trial. It's basically a formality. It really is because they ask her like three poignant questions. She answers all of them to like clear her of at least the, um, you know, burden of proof. And they're like, yeah, sorry, you're expelled. They have already made their decision. The council doesn't want it to look like they're refusing to comply with the Senate. They expel Ahsoka from the Jedi Order, they strip her of Padawan status, they take her Padawan beads, and they send her to a Republic military tribunal in front of the Senate Mm -hmm. for sentencing. I had to say that very fast so that we could get all of the awfulness out of the way. Oh, yeah. Padme agrees to represent her before the Senate, A+. Because this is Star Wars starring a cast of dozens. (laughs) And while they work on her defense, Anakin instead goes hunting for Asajj to get a witness to prove Ahsoka's innocence. This is now a crime drama. This is Law and Order, Mm -hmm. Star Wars U. Okay, he finds Asajj as... Oh, stuck up on me. <laughs> <laughs> he finds Asajj as Ahsoka's trial is beginning. The timing could not be tighter. 
Tarkin is the prosecutor asking for the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Padme is the defense attorney telling them that they're prosecuting the wrong Jedi. Mm-hmm. But it's Anakin who gets the truth. He figures out from Asajj that Barris was the one who told Ahsoka and Asajj to go to the warehouse. Mm-hmm. He goes to Barris's room. He asks her if she was involved. She denies it. So... Anakin swings his lightsaber at her and she blocks it with Ventress's double red curved hilt Sith lightsabers. Because when he walked into the room, he just picked up her lightsaber to like idly play with it. But that was actually all a plan. And he attacks her with both his and her blue lightsabers. And she has to defend with her red lightsabers. She fights back. It turns out Barris was the one who betrayed Ahsoka all along. Anakin chases her through the temple. They are dueling for life and death. Barris smashes a window. She jumps into the courtyard. Anakin chases after her. He finally pins her against a tree in the courtyard. Time is so tight. Mm -hmm. The Chancellor, Palpatine, is literally midway through the guilty verdict when Anakin walks into the Senate chamber. Barris is handcuffed. He pushes her in front of the Senate. And she confesses to everything. She tells everyone that she betrayed the Jedi and she betrayed Ahsoka because she no longer believes that the Jedi are fighting for the light. She says that she represents all of these Republic citizens who believe that the Jedi are responsible for the Clone Wars. Her attack on the temple was an attack on what the Jedi have become. And that they're an army fighting for the dark side now. Everyone concedes Ahsoka didn't do it. Anakin smiles at Ahsoka. He the did most it. Disappointing moment in Tarkin's life so far. <laughs> he did it. He cleared her name, but she just turns away. Mm-hmm. Back in the Jedi Council, the entire council stands in front of her. They apologize. They say all the right things. They ask her to come back. Anakin is standing in front of her holding her Padawan beads in his palm and he asks her to come back and she closes his hand around them. She is not coming back to the Jedi Order. Mm-hmm. Anakin chases her outside. They're outside of the temple. There's a beautiful sunset. He's telling her she's making a mistake, that she needs to come back, that it's all going to be okay. But she tells him that She has to figure this out, whatever this is, whatever's going on. She has to figure this out without the council, without him, just herself. And he says, I get it. I understand wanting to walk away from the Jedi Order, maybe more than you know. And she says, oh, I know. And we close on the most beautiful piece of string music I've ever heard in the Clone Wars. And Ahsoka walks away into the sunset. Yep. And that is the end of season five of the Clone Wars. And that is the end of the syndicated Clone Wars television show. Basically, forever. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. So season five was canceled kind of prematurely. And what had happened was this is occurring in 2013. 2012 is when Disney bought the rights And they swooped in, they started making Rebels, and they wanted to have just one property, and they were ready to 
stopped making Rebels as well because they wanted to move on and start working on the sequels. Oh, interesting. So they wanted to move away from the prequel era, start moving to the sequel era. They didn't want the tone that the Clone Wars had taken because the Clone Wars tone is quite dark. It is not grim dark, but it's a little grim and it's a little dark. Yeah. I was counting back. In season five, we have just five arcs. We've got Mm -hmm. Onderon, Ahsoka and the Younglings, D-Squad, the Revenge arc, and then finally the Jedi Temple bombing arc. And three out of the five are pretty dark. And then two of them are dealing with some really tough concepts. Yeah. So the series was canceled after season five. Mm -hmm. The 13 remaining episodes that were in development were released as The Lost Missions in March 2014. And those became season six, Mm -hmm. which was released on Netflix, I believe, separately. And then later on, season seven was made several years later. Yeah. Now we know that there's not only a season six, there's also a season seven. But at the time, this was the end of Clone Wars, which like... It makes sense because why would you like this is how you would put an end to this phase of the story. This is why Anakin is so grouchy. This is why he sees through the lies of the Jedi. This is why he would turn on the Jedi. It's partially because of Padme, but it's also partially because of the way they did Ahsoka Dirty. Yeah, I actually I had wanted to talk about season five as a whole. So I'm really glad we're we're talking mm-hmm. about it right now. What I was thinking was how perfectly season five was seeding so much of what we needed to know between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, right? Mm-hmm. You're setting up conflicts across the galaxy. You are laying the foundations for a rebellion against an oppressive regime. Yeah, There are personal tragedies for not only Anakin, but also Obi-Wan. And Sagarera. Yeah, yeah. That tighten them and tense them up for episode three. Mm-hmm. So I can see how in the writer's room, they were like, okay, well, if this is everything we got, then then we're okay. We did kind of what we needed to do. And having Ahsoka walk off into the sunset, not a Jedi, means that her story is not finished. Yeah, it well, it, it opens up possibilities because if they didn't pull this massive shock to me mm-hmm. to to blast open the doors on the plot line for the main character of the Clone Wars, then what else was she going to do? She was just going to wander around and continue to be Anakin's Padawan until they had to get rid of her another way. Yeah. Because she's not in episode three. She's not. So this is the way to do it where she gets to live. And Mm. also her as at this point of the war, one of the most powerful combatants in the war. She is a highly trained militaristic Jedi and Mm -hmm. Anakin specifically has been teaching her how to be creative, how to think outside of the box, how to be different than, you know, the barest kind of Jedi who is so rigid that when she's under pressure, she breaks. Well, let's talk about Barriss's motivations. Okay, okay, okay. So I mostly just have questions for you okay. in this discussion. This is fine. One of the big questions I have, many of the big questions mm-hmm. I have actually are about Barriss. Obviously, we need to talk about motivations. Yeah. Barriss wants to put the entire Jedi Order on trial, mm-hmm. including herself. She says that. So why bring Ahsoka into this? I don't know if it was 
Ahsoka being a target of opportunity or if it was to bring about the downfall of Anakin because she knows perhaps she is perceptive enough to recognize that Anakin is a pawn of Palpatine, but he might be able to be forked away from Palpatine by working, by pulling on Ahsoka. Interesting. I was not ascribing that level of perception to Barriss. She has spent, it seems like, more of the war on Coruscant. And as we think more about Coruscant, we see, like, I was thinking this watching it. There's got to be Jedi who just rarely leave Coruscant, even as part of the war, because it is so critical to keep it policed and under control. I'd imagine that a Jedi like Plo Koon might go out and have some adventures, but then he spends a lot of time on Coruscant and maybe Luminara and Barris do as well. That was a big question I had. Where is Luminara in all of this? Isn't that a good question? Now, one of the things that Mace says at the end, because Mace, notably at the very end, does not apologize. <laughs> he says... Mace is on my shit list this episode. Hey, now. Let me rephrase Mace is on my shiz list this go. episode. Uh, Mace does not apologize. He does say, maybe the Force works in mysterious ways. Maybe this was your great trial Ugh. To, to move from being a Jedi Padawan to becoming a Jedi Knight. So he says that. Okay, anyway, we're getting a little bit off topic. I want to talk about that later. Okay. Um, what is not clear is whether Barris has graduated from her great trial or not. Is she a Jedi Knight? Is she still a Padawan? Well, she has a different haircut. For what that's yeah, worth. Y- yeah. And I feel like she might be a Jedi Knight. Hmm. If she is, then that clears up at least where Luminara is, and it answers one of my big questions, which is who let Barris do all of this? The answer is Barris is a Jedi Knight. She mm-hmm. did it herself. Now, the other thing is. We know, especially if Barris has been spending a lot of time on Coruscant, and as far as we know, she hasn't been off-planet since Geonosis, that she is going to be under the sway of Palpatine in one way or the other. Because mm-hmm. that is what the whole council is saying, Yoda and Mace are saying, clouded by the dark side, everything is. Yeah, I think we cannot underestimate what we keep getting thrown by the writers, which is that something dark and heinous is happening with the Force, there is a dark energy or a dark force corrupting it. Mm-hmm. We haven't technically seen episode three yet in chronology, so we don't really know what's going on. Well, in episode two in the movie, they talk about that. Mm. Samuel L. Jackson, as Mace Windu, says, we need to be ready to admit to the Senate that our ability to see the forest is clouded. Mm. I had totally forgotten about that. Yeah. I learned it on this cool podcast I listen to sometimes. <laughs> is it called Growing Up Skywalker? It is. Wow, what wow, a coincidence. What a coincidence. Okay, my other question though about Barris is that I it's not even a question, it's a statement. It's like by pinning the bombing on Ahsoka, mm-hmm. Barris was not setting herself up to accomplish her goal of getting the Jedi Order skewered by the public. She was setting up Ahsoka as a scapegoat. So the Jedi Order could explain it away as one rogue Jedi and then absolving themselves. That is a good point. Let's let's look at the whole picture here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Barriss acquires nanodroids somehow. She works with Leta and the anti-war movement to feed them to, what's his name? The husband. Yeah, Bamari. Oh, um, um, Jakar um, Bamani. Jakar Bamani. 
Uh, he explodes. He, he, someone sets him up the bomb. <laughs> it blows up the hangar and presumably significantly detracts from the capability of the Jedi to defend Coruscant and to continue waging war. It's a pretty high value target. Okay. Then they bring in Jedi, and I don't think she has any way of determining which Jedi would be brought back. No, it was a closed doors council mm. meeting, and they were like, okay, Anakin and Ahsoka, you were nowhere near. So was uh, Kenobi, though. Kenobi's off screen this whole time, right? Yeah, Kenobi had to holocron into this meeting, actually. So he has a pretty good alibi. Yeah, but I would assume that Barris did not know where Anakin and Ahsoka were, could not have predicted that they would be the Jedi tasked with the investigation. Mm-hmm. And so she was ready to, I guess, pin this on whoever on whichever jedi followed her and if not she had a factory full of nanodroids and she could do it again so when it turns out to be ahsoka there is a moment when barris had perfect knowledge and she could have walked away from this part of the plan but she made a decision to continue to actively frame ahsoka even going so far as to force choke letta to death in this in her cell mm-hmm. in the previous arc. So Barris had to make a lot of active decisions to continue this plot. Well, Barris had to kill Letta to cover up her tracks. Letta was a loose end. That's true, but she didn't have to continue setting up Ahsoka. She could have let Ahsoka rot in jail. Like make it yeah. make sense. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I wonder if there was further complications. So here is what powers Barris shows herself to be capable of. She is capable of stealthing herself in the Force. She sneaks up on Asajj. Asajj mentions that very few people can sneak up on her. That's true. She sneaks up on Ahsoka and is able to hide her identity from Ahsoka. And she sneaks up on Ahsoka and Leta and is able to use the Force powerfully enough to kill someone without twigging Ahsoka off because well, Ahsoka couldn't send someone. Yeah, let's think about the only other time we've seen Barris. She was in the Geonosian arc with mm-hmm. Ahsoka and she was the perfect role model Padawan contrasted against, you know, the kind of janky Padawan that Ahsoka turned out to be. Yeah. A little bit more unstable, a little bit more of a loose cannon, more capable of creativity, just as capable of valor, but Barris was like this untouchable platonic ideal of a Padawan. So we have always known that she's very capable. However, the last time we saw her, she had had she was recovering from brainwormitis. That is true. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like long COVID. It's yeah. just got long, long brainworm. Long brainworm. <laughs> <Gross>. <laughs> It was a long brainworm. It was. It was like you saw it flickering up out of yeah, her nose. It was disgusting. Um, another thing for Barris is when she fights with Anakin. So Anakin's totally going to win that fight. He's just waiting on her to make a mistake. However, she is able to hold her own reasonably well against Anakin Skywalker when he's having a bad day. Yeah, she's doing great. I recall in the, oh my gosh, it was the Anakin injured arc. And Anakin's having a very bad day. Very bad, no good, crappy day. And then as soon as he wakes up and like hulks out, he runs across through an artillery barrage, through two battalions of droids and beats up a tank. Yeah, he like collapsed a hand over his liver or whatever (laughs) and his intestines that are trying to spill out. He's like, don't worry, I got this. this. I got this. So, but Barris is able to like, 
actually put up a good fight against him. Okay, so the only spark of joy in this entire godforsaken arc is that when they're fighting out Mm -hmm. in the courtyard, they like interrupt Tara Sanube teaching all of the younglings from the younglings arc a lightsaber class and they're all there, the whole crew. Petro and Genji. Petro's the one who's like, look out. And they, they, you know, fly super far. As soon as Barris jumps up, Anakin's like, oh, uh, way to leave your fate to gravity. Guess who controls gravity? Slams her into a tree, pulls her towards him, and chokes her out. Yeah, but imagine doing a sword class, and your sword class is interrupted by two actual sword people toppling into you, dueling for life and death. Like, how cool would that be? That would be very cool. But the point I'm trying to make (laughs) is that that Barris is uh, a pretty good sword fighter. Yeah. Especially with two lightsabers. Yeah. Which is really interesting because who could she have learned that very sinuous dual lightsaber fighting style from? Starts with Sidious, ends with Darth. (laughs) Or vice versa. Do you think so? Really? Possibly. Interesting. Or not. Maybe he's just moving his way through things because her final confession is actually nothing but truth. Yeah. Everything she says is completely true. Yeah. Pretty much. There's, I mean, there's a little bit of rancor and a little bit of bitterness in there mm-hmm. that, you know, is just where she's coming from. But she's true. The Jedi Order are not living up to the principles that they used to. Mm-hmm. They are using the Force as an excuse for when they don't know what to do. They just say, well, the Force will guide us. And that is called upon many times during this arc when the Council gets together and they say, well, we'll go to the uh, the Chamber of whatever it was. The Chamber of Judgment. Yeah, the Chamber of Judgment. I learned when I was writing the notes for that that I've been spelling judgment wrong for 30 years. Yeah, there's fewer E's than you think there are. way fewer E's. Basically no E's in that word. Not only is it the Chamber of Judgment, it's the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. Yeah. That was an interesting scene because once again, we're watching how weak Yoda and Mace and Kiarimundi and Plo Koon are. Oh, everyone in that room is completely on Maish's list. There is not a single person who was standing in the Chamber of the Judgment room besides Anakin and Ahsoka who get to talk to me anymore. And Even Obi-Wan Kenobi himself is on thin ice. And the two guards who are, uh, you know, just doing their job. Those Jedi guards, this is the first time we see them. They're very cool. They have these beautiful masks and they have double-bladed short lightsabers that are kind of cool. They're, They're pretty cool. My guess for how that trial went before they put Ahsoka on trial, so the pre-trial where they decided mm-hmm. that there would be no judgment had just... Summary. Summary execution, basically. I think Obi-Wan voted absolve Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. I think Plo Koon dithered and then said, it's my little Ahsoka and voted absolve Ahsoka. Mm. Kiati Mundi, as we've established as a jerk bag, Mm -hmm. voted yes. Mace Windu, also double jerk bag, voted yes. And probably Yoda dithered for a while and then also voted yes. Kick Ahsoka out of the order. Possibly. I'm I'm tentatively agreeing with you, and here's why. 
out of all of these Jedi, Kenobi and Anakin and Ahsoka are the ones who spend the least amount of time on Coruscant and are least under the sway of Palpatine and his dark cloud, Mm. which covers up everything. So you think... Kiadi and Mason Yoda being D-bags in this episode is a little bit due to the force clouding. I think they have become infected with the real politic of the situation as opposed to the uh, utopian ideals of the Jedi Code. Mm. I think this opens up an entirely different conversation about the Jedi Order. Say more. So... I'm, I mean, I said I mostly have questions, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the big ones is I want to hear what you think the Clone Wars have done to the Jedi Order. Mm. And if that's why Ahsoka decided to leave. That is the real question. I think, I think Ahsoka was totally willing to keep learning the force with Anakin. I think she was totally willing to keep learning the force individually with them. I think she deeply actually agreed with Barris of saying yeah. that this has become an instrument of the oppressor and the intertwining of politics, the chancellor and the Jedi order has be weakened the Jedi order so much that they can't protect anyone anymore because we've seen so many times that she's been the one who's like, these are oppressed peoples. We need to free them. And Kenobi and Anakin are like, oh, it's way more complicated than that. And she's like, is it though? Like I have, I can solve, I have killed so many people with this lightsaber. You have no idea. I could solve this problem by killing people. And they're like, that's not the Jedi way. And she's like, isn't it though? Like that's what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's two things going on. I think one of them is about the Jedi order and one of them is about Ahsoka. I think the Jedi Order as an ideal, the Jedi Council as a body, and Ahsoka are the three factors that work. And Anakin. Anakin's key. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, Ahsoka is upset. She's hurt. Blah, blah, blah. Her Mm -hmm. feelings got hurt. Whatever. I don't think she would leave the Jedi Order because her feelings got hurt. She, I think, truly believes something is wrong. Something is rotten in the state of Coruscant. (laughs) Right? Like... The Jedi Order can't win for conceding yeah, because they're trying to play politics and they're not a political body. They won't do things that look bad for their PR, but they have bad PR anyway. I actually think that they lost something very essential when Qui-Gon died in Phantom Menace. I think they lost a maverick thinker, someone who was capable of thinking creatively and out of the box and outside of... Within the parameters of what they're trying to accomplish, but outside of the teachings in that very small Jedi Council. Absolutely. They're too rigid. They lost their way. And the fact that for the 20 years that we've been in the Star Wars universe so far, right? Or at least 15 years. Something like that. From Phantom Menace to now, the Council has been the same dudes. Mm -hmm. And... That's a long time without term limits, or I guess I think more importantly would be traveling around to be with the galaxy. Mm, And so they're sitting up high and mighty in their beautiful Jedi temple that's referenced so many times in this arc. It's lofty and it's, you know, there's 
5,000 levels in Coruscant and they're mm-hmm. soaring above all of it. And Asajj and Ahsoka are down on level 1300. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're not in touch with the common people. I think we've established that. And that is why they fail because their connection to the force is perhaps even being siphoned and filtered through Palpatine's control of the force. Mm. Because how many times have we seen Palpatine leave Coruscant? He came to Naboo for the like 429th celebration. He went to supervise the Zillow beast being murdered. That was on Coruscant. Oh, shoot, you're right. And he went to Sundari for a hot minute just recently to finish up some business. And it was like a big deal. It was a big deal and it was not a long visit. I feel like he did go somewhere sketchy in the Holocron arc when they were kidnapping all of the Force younglings. Wasn't he like on Mustafar? He was on Mustafar. Oh no, he was Holocroning in. Oh yeah. Okay, so he has been in Coruscant. The spider in his web. Mm-hmm. And so their connection to the Force is being tainted through him. Like the opposite of a filter fish. Yeah. The water, the force goes in and comes out worse. It's like a, it's like a farter fish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the Jedi Order. What about Ahsoka? So Ahsoka's motives are really interesting. And as I was, I, I wrote down the entire last dialogue. And it is the script for a breakup. Interesting. For, I want to set the scene because the scale of that final scene is so perfect and so beautiful. Ahsoka is this tiny figure mm-hmm. walking through this massive soaring white temple. She is just one small person. She's walking through this channel to get outdoors to the steps that lead up to the Jedi temple, but she's mm-hmm. going down. And I wrote down Ahsoka is so small in this scene and the Jedi Order is such a vast influence, it overshadowed her. It made her insignificant. It was supposed to protect her. And instead it just swallowed her up and spat her out. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit last episode about how her her power that she gained was so easily given and taken away. And mm-hmm. that happened again in this arc. Her life. Yeah. I mean, she was taken in as all of the younglings are at around four. Plo Koon rescued her. We know this from Dave Filoni's sketchbook. Yeah. And they took her entire life, and I want to talk about this for sure, they turned her into a tool, and her purpose was ultimately to teach Anakin how to let go. So I like that read because I feel like it's a read we've talked about on this several times, but I've also evolved an understanding of that as you said it, and that's that she is what her family, what her upbringing made her. And that is someone who is rigorously honest and rigorously intentional. And she is an absolutely excellent Jedi in a Jedi order that doesn't have room for Jedi. And and it's so much like uh, I, I see parallels in my own life where I've like me and my siblings have moved away from my parents' religion and from their politics because what they say and what they do are at odds. And so I don't I don't say anything and I do the best I can. And that has resulted in like a a separation from them. And it is a separation like this. It is a breakup. 
So like you are Ahsoka walking down the stairs of the Jedi Order saying, this is not working for me anymore. I need a fresh perspective. Well, so here's, so Anakin says, why are you doing this? The council didn't trust me. So how can I trust myself? That's Ahsoka. That's Ahsoka. Anakin says, but what about me? I believed in you. I stood by you. Ahsoka says, I know you believe in me, Anakin. And I'm grateful for that. But this isn't about you. I can't stay any longer. Not now. Anakin says, the Jedi Order is your life. You can't just throw it away like this, Ahsoka. You are making a mistake. And Ahsoka says, maybe. But I have to sort this out on my own, without the council and without you. Mm. And then he says, I understand more than you realize, I understand wanting to walk away from the order. And she says, I know about you and Padme. <laughs> yeah, Anakin makes it a referendum on himself. Oh my gosh, yes. I okay. stood by yes. you. I believed in you. Yes. I protected you. Yes. I loved you. Because the council has covered his behind through so many things which would normally get a Jedi expelled. And she gets expelled for political Ooh. reasons. So he, like... She's like, of course you stood by me. You stand in privilege. <gasps> Ooh, oh my God. You stand in the privilege of someone who was raised before this war and gets to fight it. I was raised in this war and had to live it. I believe in the Jedi Order and I see the same as Barris does that we have become an army of the dark side. I don't see all the details that she does, but... Like these conspiracy theories that this person who tried to frame me for murder are spouting. I'm like, oh boy, she might have a point. Like this person who tried to frame me for murder <laughs> Do might I have a point. she had tried to frame me for murder? No. Does she have a point? Yes. And so obviously she's looking back on the council and being like, these people are no longer people who can be trusted to guide my life. And that is why she says this, that second line, the council didn't trust me, so how can I trust myself? The implication there is how can she trust herself while she is fulfilling the will of the council, when she is fulfilling her own will, when she is separate from the will of the council, she can trust herself. Mm, They have made her untrustworthy. They have made her untrustworthy as long as she is with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This makes sense. This, I want to circle all the way back to the very beginning of this conversation when you said that Ahsoka is a product of her upbringing. Mm -hmm. My theory is, a it's a little, it dovetails. It's a little different. My theory is that Ahsoka is a product of Qui-Gon. Because Mm. remember when we talked about lineage Mm -hmm. and we talked and I thought it was so cool. Yoda trained Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon trained Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan trained Anakin, Mm -hmm. and now Anakin has trained Ahsoka. And I think Ahsoka's decision and the way that she is in the world reflects Qui-Gon's ideals more than anybody's because he believed in following your heart, not always your brain, your, your instincts. She doesn't do what the Jedi teach. She has this alloy of her personal beliefs and emotions and feelings and what she believes is right and what the Jedi teach. She's not making decisions free from emotion or passion like the Jedi teach. She's she's finding another way. Mm-hmm. And that comes directly from Qui-Gon. And that is also something that's missing from Barris. 
Because Barris is also a rational actor, given the information she has. Absolutely. But there's nothing in there to temper it. There's right? not. She's there's too not. rigid. She's just like the council. Because she has been, perhaps from living on Coruscant this whole time, or perhaps from uh, being perceptive, recognized the same problems that the council doesn't trust her either. They don't mm. trust anyone who's not already part of the council because they are tools of Palpatine and they keep making these capricious decisions. Mm-hmm. Perhaps she's been working at a high level at the war, doing logistics or something. How many times have we seen a battle or a front get pulled off so that Anakin can be in a different star system because Palpatine is like, oh, yeah, send Anakin here. And the council's like, yeah, okay, whatever. That changes the course of the war to Palpatine's whims. And Palpatine's whims are the ones which, if they're driving the war and she's seeing it, she recognizes a difference between what she's been taught and the reality as it's being practiced. And she is old enough because she's Ahsoka's age. She's in her teens. And she, as all Jedi, has been learning all these things because like Petra and Gunji there, you know, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. is lightsaber training and then fasting and meditation. And then you do logistics mm. and then you do geopolitics. She's been doing it for 10, 15 years. Ahsoka knew enough about geopolitics that she went to Mandalore to be the TA for a terrorism class. Right. As And that's like a big deal because Mandalore influences a what, 4,000, 2,000? 2,000 independent systems. Yeah. So that's a big deal. Barris is the same way. She sees the threads, but she put them together a little bit wrong, which is, I think, really interesting. Yeah. But that's Palpatine's whole thing is he is invisible. And perhaps that's the energy that Barris is pulling as well, because that's her power is she's become invisible. was having a really hard time with Ahsoka leaving. Like, here's the thing. I know people were excited for us to get to this arc because mm-hmm. it's big, it's emotional. And I have heard that some people are actually very excited when Ahsoka decides to leave the Jedi Order. Uh. And that's just not my style. Some people, something happens in their life and they have to go a different way. And they're like, I'm starting a new adventure. And I'm back there mourning for what we have lost, what I have lost. So, okay, so I was kind of torn up about Ahsoka mm-hmm. leaving, so I'll just put it out there. But to get over myself, I read some email correspondence between Dave Filoni and Ashley Eckstein, mm-hmm. who is the voice actor for Ahsoka, yeah. when Ashley was trying to get into Ahsoka's headspace to record these final episodes. And Dave Filoni was trying to explain it to her, and he wrote... There's no real right or wrong in this life. Ahsoka just makes a choice. And like that has haunted me since I read it. There's Mm. no real right or wrong. You just make choices. Yeah. And the freedom of that, the freedom to be Ahsoka, like the wisdom of this 16-year-old and the foresight that she had and the bravery and confidence she had with this incredible Jedi training, this incredible base of knowledge. And she filtered it all through her head and her heart and her spirit. And she said, 
I need more information and I can no longer do what I thought I was going to do with my life. Yeah. I'm going to walk away from everything and anybody I've ever known and do something that feels not, I'm just going to do something different. Yeah. It might not even feel right. It might feel wrong, but I'm going to make a choice and I'm going to stick to it. Yeah. Well, another note on that is that this is the closest to death that she has come where she can't fight it. The words were on Palpatine's lips. An overwhelming majority Mm -hmm. has voted to execute Ahsoka Tano. I mean, we never know what they're going to say, but Palpatine seemed pretty gleeful and so did Tarkin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's that instinct when you finally run out of lightsabers, you're out of moves, you're exhausted, there's nothing you can do and you say, okay, if this is where my life is going, okay. But I admire that when Ahsoka had the freedom to make choices again, she she just, she chose. It doesn't matter what she chose, it matters that she chose. And she chose the path which would lead her to have more choices. Mm. And honestly, more trust and more security and more love for herself. Because without the Jedi trusting her, the Jedi Council trusting her, the Jedi Council doesn't love her and it's not a family, mm. right? Because that's what—that's the cornerstone of love is trust. And granted, the Jedi don't have that level of attachment, but they do practice the positive side of things. They aren't going to spend you cheaply. Yeah, Yoda says something really beautiful in the beginning of this arc. He says, we're going to, basically, we're going to shepherd this lost child back home. Yeah. And he, he calls her a lost child, and it was full of love. Mm-hmm. You know that Yoda didn't make these decisions lightly. Did he choose wrong? Yes. Am I mad at him? Yes. But was he full of love and regret at the same time? Also, Yes. I feel like Yoda might have voted for keeping her a Jedi. Who do you think voted no? Mace, Kiati, Obi-Wan? Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh, say it isn't so. I don't know if I can handle that. Because although initially, and for the, the last Mandalorian arc, Kenobi has always been one who's like, I don't really like how involved in the Jedi's business Palpatine is. And he would see Palpatine's fingerprints all over this. Uh, Because he's further away, I think he might be like, I need to get a war on and Tarkin is withholding troops. Mm, That's dark. Well, he's mourning. He has recently had a devastating blow. He lost the love of his life. Or perhaps, uh, yeah, I guess he's not back yet, but maybe this is all happening simultaneously, you know? Not quite. So close. This is all happening very quickly, though. Like the whole last two arcs and the sixth season and the seventh season are all happening in very close order. If Satine is already dead, Obi-Wan is a very good actor. Mm. Because I'm sure or he he truly is a Jedi and he really was able to let go of that attachment. Yeah. And perhaps he has overcompensated. Yeah, could be. Maybe he's closing off everything. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to be a, a a real stickler for the rules. Or he has faith that the system will work, that the tribunal will, of course, exonerate her because she's obviously innocent. 
Maybe. Maybe. And then the fact that the tribunal is rigged from the get-go is the problem. Food for thoughts for everybody. But she was so thoroughly betrayed. Yeah. And can't get better. Yeah. I refer to this as a moment of shatter in my own life when I am irrevocably changed in my viewpoint of someone. Like when you're talking with someone and they say something, you're like, oh, you're that. Okay. You're a different person in my eyes now. Yeah, totally. Yeah. The council coming back to Ahsoka bowing and scraping and saying, this was your great trial. Now you are fit to be a Jedi Knight was so gross. Like the faces I was making Mm -hmm. at the screen were just unmentionable. Yeah, I hope that. But here's the beautiful thing about shattering. Even if you shatter into a million pieces, you can reforge yourself. You can make yourself a new shape out of those pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's what Ahsoka can do. I have a fun fact. Please, God, give me something fun. The goat person who Ahsoka <laughs> yeah. trades a ration bar for a cloak is voiced by Dave Filoni. No way. Yeah. Does he say anything intelligible? Yeah. He's like something like, thanks. I don't know. He's a drunken goat boy. I thought he was just like, bah, yeah. at her. Yeah. Well, that is truly delightful. That brings me much joy. (laughs) I love it. Well, is it that time? Is it that time to see who's not on Anna's shiz list? There are so many people on the shiz list that probably there might be someone left over for Baywatch. Who knows? Anyway, it's time for Baywatch. Who makes the cut? It's time for Baywatch. All right, so I feel like the entire Jedi Council is not going to make it. They are not making the cut. They are off the island. I feel like the Coruscant Underworld Police aren't going to make it. I hate them. I've rarely hated anyone as much as I hate them. R2, not Not there, not not present. R2, R2. I'm doing the Bueller. Yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Padme is barely there. Does a good job, but barely barely there. there. My bay is someone that we haven't talked about at all. Whom? It's Asajj Ventress. Wow. No, I see it. I see it. I think Asajj has a really cool role in this. Many, many, many moons ago, mm-hmm. we talked about the Night Sisters on Dathomir, who are the best, RIP. And we talked about sisterhood. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how Asajj changes in so many, a thousand subtle ways when she rejoins the Night Sisters on Dathomir. She softens around the edges. She, her motivations change. Her eyes change color. Her eyes change color because of Mommy T's weird magic juju juice. Mm-hmm. And her entire way of moving through the world changes. She's still lethal. She's I wouldn't want to meet her in an alleyway. No. I mean, you wouldn't even see her coming. But there's something less cutthroat and more warm and loving about her. And she shows up for Ahsoka almost like she would have shown up for a night sister. Yeah. When Ahsoka needs an ally, she thinks her ally is Barris, but her only ally is actually Asajj Ventress. And they get along because they're like, well, we're not at war. We can respect each other as fellow warriors. Yeah. We've fought a few times. We know we're good for it. But our motives are now orthogonal. And so we don't need to be 
fighting. But here's the thing. Ahsoka's, you know, wheeling and dealing with Asajj was not that convincing because the Jedi Council has it out for her. So I don't truly believe that Asajj was swayed by like, oh, this Padawan's going to go and get me a full pardon. I think she was looking for a little bit of an excuse to go along with Ahsoka's plans for a little while because she misses being part of a clan, being someone's sister. I think that's a fair assessment. She had Ahsoka's back. She got her to the warehouse safe and sound. Even when Barris sneaks up on her in the alleyway, Asajj kind of turns around, thinks that she sees Ahsoka's shadow. Mm -hmm. And the way she describes it to Anakin is, I thought she just wanted to talk some more. Oh, Isn't that so beautiful and heartbreaking? I thought she wanted to talk some more and I was happy to stand there and talk with her some more. Yeah, and it would have been adversarial because Asajj is not an easy person to get along with. No. But they would have, because they had so much in common, uh, that's what she says to Ahsoka. She says, We're both apprentices and our masters failed us. Mm-hmm. Well, when they first meet, Asajj says, I'm willing to turn you in dead or alive. And Ahsoka says, I'm still a Jedi. Mm. Asajj says, I'm afraid the other Jedi don't see it that way. Mm. And she says, I hate to admit it, but you're right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Just like Asajj Ventress, who was a Jedi and then became a Sith. And now she's kind of nothing at all what she thought she was going to be. Anyway, Asajj is great. I also love how she just, Ahsoka's like, why are you helping me? And Asajj is like, these are strange times, my Mm -hmm. friend. And I was like, tattoo that on my neck. These are (laughs) strange times. (laughs) Anyway, it's Asajj. She continues to be great. Who is your bay? Oh my gosh, I have no idea. No idea. There are so there's so many characters detestable characters in this game. arc. Okay, I'm gonna do a quick roundup of honorable mentions. Okay. Uh, Plokun, very sweet. Plokun is okay. Plokun's okay. Wolf is great. Wolf is the only I think named clone who shows up in this. He shows up a little bit. He gets handily beat up by Ahsoka and Asajj, but I, I do enjoy that he shows up. And Here's what's delightful about Wolf. Ahsoka has been expelled from the Jedi Order mm-hmm. and stripped of her rank and privileges, and he still calls her commander. Yes. And that brought a little tear to this yeah. little eye. And I like that he wasn't just like the Coruscant guard where he's just like, start firing and stop when things happen. He's like, hey, all right, guns down. And she's like, I'm going to beat you up. He's like, ugh, fine. <laughs> If you insist. Uh, if you insist. And honorable mention, but not Bayworthy, to Anakin for doing his best, yeah. which did not make the cut, but... There's not a lot of times that I look at Anakin Skywalker and I think, that guy's relatable. Mm-hmm. But when he was going through the five stages of grief with Ahsoka at the end of season five of The Clone Wars, bargaining, mm-hmm. anger, sadness, I was like... Sky guy, you're relatable. Also, giving an impromptu masterclass in how to do a taru form as he yeets a Jedi Knight into a tree. That was also excellent. Yeah, that was excellent. Yes. Okay. Okay. It's going to be Ahsoka, though. Yeah. Uh, I think her setting of boundaries of going through a actually, it's not you, but it is you breakup with Anakin and with the Jedi Council being willing to walk away from it all. And especially as someone who like 
traded her lunch for dirty rags mm. the day before. <laughs> Has knows what the un, seedy underbelly of Coruscant is like. She's willing to give up what privilege she has in exchange for that because she knows that that privilege can be taken away. Yeah. And that her actual fight now, her internal fight, is against that privilege. Yeah. I really identify with her in that sense of someone who practices what they preach. And so few other people in the Clone Wars do that. Because even like Anakin, who's probably the closest to that, is like, okay, I have a secret wife and (laughs) I have a secret life. And (laughs) I'm not allowed to say most of the things I say or else I'll be expelled. Like I think or else I'll be expelled from the order. And the things I do say... Like, are still inflammatory. Still inflammatory. But, you know, he gets, he does it. He he enacts that. And by walking away, she's living a truer path of the force than most Jedi will ever see. The Jedi Order is now deeply saturated with hypocrites, and Ahsoka is not one of them. She's and no longer a Jedi, and she's not a hypocrite. A criticism to that is that one of the best ways to change the system is from within, but her record was so besmirched. She just got off Onderon, where she saw them change the system from without. Like, this come is on. true. This is true. So maybe she's going to go hit up Lux Monterey and be like, hey, you want to overthrow the galactic government? Hey, oh, you still want to bang? Because, yeah. like, I'm single and ready to mingle, no my friend. A Jedi, so <laughs> FYI. I can bang now. So uh, if you want to hit this, yeah. No good likes. for her. We like, stand a healthy boundaries queen going out to get some. <laughs> some. Lightsabers, no hormones, <laughs> yes. Yay. Gosh, this is a tough one. Season six is interesting. Oh. Season six has some real out there stuff. And then season seven is award winning. I'm just so glad we're doing this project now when we get to have everything at our fingertips. Oh, yeah. We didn't have to wait five years for season seven. We know what happened with season six. Like, there's no one pulling punches anymore. This is is a slight... Shade at people who like, you know, watch an episode and record on it that night or something. It's nice to have the whole thing in front of you. Uh, the tableau, it's like a feast. It's like a banquet. Yeah. yeah. I love this. For and us. I don't think anyone else is talking about the season five finale, right? I now don't think so. The, We're so dramatically first. behind the times <laughs> and it really is so great. So <laughs> thank you for sticking with us while we uh, begin season six of The Clone Wars next week. Yeah. Very exciting. Special shout out to all of our listeners and longtime listeners and supporters. We love you guys. We love you guys so much. We know it's been a weird season lately. It's especially hot where we are. It's like a Tatooine hot and we're just like hanging there. We love you. Next week, we are beginning season six of The Clone Wars. We are covering episodes one and two, The Unknown and Conspiracy. Mmm. Mm, yeah, I remember these ones. Excellent. That's good. I obviously have never seen them. <laughs> if you want more Skywalker, you can follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
If you want even more Skywalker, please consider becoming one of our patrons. We release bonus content every Thursday and memberships start at $3 a month. So not too shabby. And please make sure to send this to someone who's made a tough decision lately. Mm, And you just support them. Yeah, because that's what you do. That's what you do. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye.